0: Welcome to the Money is Emotional Podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues.
1: Hello and welcome to Money is Emotional with your host, Christine Lucan. Christine, what's going on?
0: Oh, well, it's
2: a good day as usual.
1: Do you have the smell of cookies in your house? Is that what's going on?
2: Yes. Well... The smell is almost gone, as there's only one sugar cookie left in the house right now, which makes me very sad
1: and by the time this podcast releases, that sugar cookie will be gone, and your husband will have no opportunity to steal it. And it was a <laughs> unicorn sugar cookie she showed me on camera. It was that was really, really well done by the way.
2: yes well, well, thank you. So we didn't get to bake Christmas sugar cookies because of everyone's travel mm-hmm. uh, plans. So we, did our annual sugar cookie baking this past weekend? Which this is the first time we've done it after Christmas, but it was fun because we got to use all the non Christmas cookie cutters. Nice. So the unicorn was one of them. So That's that was fantastic fun. and delicious.
1: Yeah, and eventually for the listener, if you're interested in a an entirely cookie based podcast in the future, email Christine and we'll <laughs> we'll see if we can fit that into the schedule. But today it's not about cookies. You have a special guest on the show.
2: I do. We are super excited. I am excited to welcome my friend and our special guest, Adam Cole. Adam is a certified mediator, a tax attorney, Mm -hmm. financial advisor, and financial counselor for couples. He's also an overachiever. (laughs) He graduated. (laughs) (laughs) Adam graduated from Duke Law and got his master's in tax law from NYU. He also hosts the Couples Financial Coach podcast. Welcome, Adam, to the Money is Emotional show.
3: Thank you for having me, Christine and Eric, and it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Christine.
2: Well, Adam, before I dive into our questions, can you give us the Cliff Notes version of how you became the Couples Financial Coach
3: Absolutely. Uh, Well, amongst that overachieving was not a plan to become a couple's financial coach. It was rather a uh, plan to figure out who and what the heck I wanted to be. You know, as you said, I am a lawyer and I worked in tax law for a bit and then worked in the nonprofit world. And along the way was getting experience as a coach and doing conflict resolution work. Noticed I had a knack for those, so started practicing them more, got certified as a mediator. And uh, then before I went off to law school, I had uh, had a stint as a financial advisor, studied economics. So I had always been around this law, business, finance world, and then the coaching and mediation world after that. And five years ago, a conversation where someone just kind of randomly heard what I did as a coach. And they brought it together. They said, what about financial communication? That's one of the top causes of divorce. And I said, huh, okay. So I don't just help people with their finances and also with their relationships and with their communication. I can bring that all together and started doing the research and found out money is still the number one stressor in relationships. And it's still regularly listed as a top cause of divorce. But when I went to Google and started looking for people who specialized in this, whether content creation, or coaching, I couldn't really find them. And I looked at my background with the mediation, coaching, financial advising, law and tax, so I said, you know what, I think I've got as good a background and skill set as anybody to help couples. And as someone who's been divorced to myself, I know how painful that experience can be. And I saw an opportunity to help people avoid that outcome and make a contribution and a difference by bringing them a service that has value. And so that's what I've dedicated myself to these last five years. And it's been an incredible journey, helped many couples and met you along the way.
2: Yeah. Well, and I've also learned a lot from you about conflict resolution and helping couples to come together and to get on the same page. So the things that you're teaching, you know, the different resources that you have on your website, your library of podcast episodes,
0: mm-hmm.
2: those are awesome resources for couples. But I also want to encourage, you know, the financial professionals or other money coaches who might be listening to the podcast to go to your website and check out some of those resources because I have also learned a lot from you relative to that, because you're much more comfortable dealing with a higher level of conflict than I am. And (laughs) that's what I admire about you.
3: I appreciate that. Thank you. Comfortable is a relative word, right? Comfortable (laughs) in terms of how I feel in my nervous system. I'm working on it, but comfortable as far as like, I have tools in the toolkit for how to handle this.
2: Absolutely. In that, you do. in
3: that regard, I feel comfortable. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, and Adam, I love your slogan talking money doesn't have to hurt. But let's be honest, sometimes it does. Why do you think money is such a big area of conflict for couples? Well, first
3: of all, anytime you're bringing two people, two lives, two unique viewpoints together, there's The potential for tension or disagreement. And this is not in and of itself a bad thing, right? There are plenty of topics. If you're in a committed relationship, there have been plenty of topics where you and your significant other maybe didn't see things exactly the same way. Maybe you still don't. With my wife, there are topics where we've changed each other's mind. You know, she taught me a lot. I didn't know about the whole GameStop thing. And, you know, so it's that's okay, right? But with money in particular it's one of the areas that we don't get a lot of exposure to as far as talking about it mm-hmm. that even if we're lucky enough to have a personal finance course in high school or college we never really learn how to talk about it and as the name of the podcast suggests right money is emotional and we don't get a chance to explore that side of it. Why our emotions evolve with money? How do they show up? How do our experiences shape us into the kind of person we are today as relates to money? And so you add that all together and now again, take two people who oftentimes they have similarities, but of course, you have differences. You're not carbon copies of your significant others take a topic that they're not comfortable with. Oh, go ahead, Christine. Sorry.
2: I was going to say, well, that's why you're attracted to them, right? They always say opposite attracts.
3: Absolutely. And there's some parts there that are probably quite different. We don't know how to talk about it. We typically don't have a model from our parents for healthy communication. We don't learn that much about personal finance in school. And now all of a sudden we're trying to talk about it, but it's very high stakes, whether it's because we're living together already and or married already. Maybe a kid is on the way trying to buy a home. I mean, this is really important stuff. And a lot of times this is when couples are first approaching this. The other piece of it is if that first conversation doesn't go well, then it can lead to this kind of cycle of avoidance. And eventually that damn bursts, and you have a tense conversation and maybe even end up fighting. And that just pushes you deeper into the cave and you're even more reluctant to come out. So I've seen that cycle so many times where a day becomes a week, becomes a year, becomes a decade, even with a lot of my clients.
2: Yeah. Well, and there's so much shame and embarrassment around our money mistakes. And Mm. I say this all the time, sex and money are like exactly the same we're expected to be great at them, but no one teaches us anything about them and we're not supposed to talk about it.
3: Yeah, it's in most families, at least in my experience, you know, culturally money is very much a taboo topic. I mean, look, at least we have sex education in, in schools. And so you maybe have a little bit of exposure. I, you're the I thing. It's more rare to have any sort of personal finance education. And it's true yeah it it becomes a real difficult spot for couples and even beyond all the human emotional relational communication parts there is often a sense of overwhelm Mm. for one or both members of the couple they're like i don't know where to start i don't know how to get started how do we decide which streaming services to have how do we decide whether to buy organic groceries or not how do we decide whether to send the kids to private school it feels so overwhelming and they try and make these decisions in a vacuum Mm. when there's really a larger context. And so you just feel trapped by it all. And when you feel overwhelmed, the natural thing to do is shut down. And when it comes to any topic with a couple, and certainly money is one of them, if both people aren't prepared to talk about it, usually it doesn't get talked about at all. (laughs) Right. True.
2: It's not a conversation unless people are talking.
3: Exactly. And so the likelihood that one person feels anxious, afraid, overwhelmed, you know, worried, defensive, like you said, ashamed or embarrassed about their relationship with money or their current financial situation. That's all it takes to derail these conversations. So it does take some grit and or, you know, new tools in the toolkit to get the conversation going and keep it going
2: yeah well are there common scenarios or themes that you see in your financial counseling with couples relative to talking money
3: absolutely uh the first thing that almost all of my clients say to me in the consultation is we're just different when it comes to money um mm. and in a consultation i'm a little more gentle. I'm just getting to know you, but the truth is, that statement doesn't really mean anything. It, we're we're so different with money. I have heard people say this, and they both came from similar poverty, right? Or I've both people say this, and they both came from families who were upper middle class or above, and you know, grew up in a city. It's what people use as an explanation it's basically how they justify their difficulty talking about money, how they justify it to themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it comes out to me, Oh, it's just hard for us because we are so different. I think you're saying you're so different because it's difficult for you to talk about, but that's fine. Right. Like the fact that you're different. I mean, imagine someone who practices one form of mindfulness, you know, whatever one person does yoga and the other person does meditation And they talk about it. They wouldn't say, oh, we're just so different. Like it's a problem, right? They would be like, (laughs) wow, this is great. I get to learn from you and expand my skill set. And the same is actually possible with money. We just have to get some of that gook out of the way.
2: I like that shift, you know, that different isn't necessarily wrong. And I do find myself saying that to my clients who are married or engaged
0: Mhm.
3: In fact, different can be beautiful. Yeah.
2: Right?
3: The, most of my clients if they're really feeling trapped by these differences as relates to money, I'll ask them, "Hey, so, you know, the person who is more spontaneous and doesn't want to talk about the uncomfortable things and just goes for it and enjoys life, is that are you like that in other areas, right? And the person who might be more deliberate and anxious, and you know they they want to be really methodical about decision making, are they like that in other areas? A lot of times, the answer is yes. And mm-hmm. I said, well, where else in your relationship then is it beneficial that you're different? Yeah. Right? Um. And a go to is always vacations, right? Mm. The person who's more cautious, they're like. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't go. We should pay off this debt. We should do that. And the other person's like, come on, let's just go have fun. We'll figure it out. And usually they end up going on more enjoyable vacations than they would have, right? If left to their own devices, the person is more worried. And then the person who's more like, let's just go for it. They end up being a little bit more grounded in a way that is healthier for them individually and as a couple.
2: Yeah, that's so true. So what happens when a couple doesn't directly address the root of their financial disagreements?
3: It hurts their bottom line, as in their bank accounts. Okay. And it hurts the quality of their relationship. Intimacy is impacted. It can drive an emotional wedge. Money is so present in our lives. We're working often 40 plus hours a week to earn it we're buying things every day we're paying bills constantly you can't run away from it and so whatever degree of tension there is there it's almost like it's being triggered in your subconscious that many times a day a week a month and eventually that wears you down um yeah. and it doesn't mean that you're going to get a divorce but as we said money is consistently listed as one of the top stressors and causes of divorce. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the very least, you miss out on a beautiful opportunity to work as a team toward common goals and to achieve those goals together.
2: Yeah. Can you give us an example? And, you know, maybe you need to like change the names or have it be anonymous (laughs) of a couple who came to you with a lot of disagreements, a lot of tension where you were seeing negative effects both in their relationship and on their bottom line, and what the result was after, once they address that.
3: This is the typical scenario of clients that I see, right? I think the bigger divergence in the folks who come to me is whether their relationship is strong and money just seems to be the one area that -hmm. they struggle with, all the way to, they're in really bad shape on the verge of breaking up or divorce, right? And money seems to be an important piece of it, but may or may not be all of it, Uh, all of the tension, all the conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as a couple, yeah, I will share about, let's do this. We'll call them Chris and Charlie. And Chris and Charlie come to me and In the consultation, I asked this question, and I invite your listeners who are struggling to get the money conversation started with their partner to ask themselves this question. What does this look like in six months, a year, three, five years, if nothing changes? Mm. Project that out in your mind. How does that look? How does that feel? How is it affecting you, good or bad? And are you okay with that? And you gotta be honest with yourself. But usually the first thing that pops into your head is worth investigating. And with this couple, Chris says there won't be a three or five years. If things don't change once the kids are a little older, I'm gonna walk out. Wow. This is the first time Chris had ever said it. <laughs> Out loud. Oh, in front of you. <laughs> right in front of me with Charlie sitting right next to them. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, now I've tackled that situation. So I know even more how to handle it. But I remember I tapped into what I learned in my mediation program. And they say, OK, don't try and downplay what one person said. Be be honest, right? Say it back. As they said, I said, got it. So it sounds like for you, if nothing shifts when the kids are a little bit older, you're going to walk out, you're going to pursue a divorce. Like, is that right? Chris is like, yeah. And the next move is to go to Charlie. And, you know, a lot of times our instincts, whether we're the friend or the coach or whoever is to sweep that under the rug. Right. But there's a really golden opportunity there to go to the other partner in this case charlie and say charlie what's it like for you hearing that yeah and in this conversation is when we realized it was the first time that this has been said charlie was a bit more reserved but nevertheless affected by this and you know it's not a one size fits all trajectory to get from there to where they ended up. But in general, what I find is the key we have to build a sense of trust and safety around talking about money. Yeah. If that's missing, the rest doesn't really matter. So foundation number one is understand your own relationship to money and your partners and get comfortable talking about it, build that trust and safety. By the way, you may never be completely comfortable. It may yeah. be an uncomfortable topic often, if not always. That's okay. Can you still find a way to have enough safety, enough trust that you can push through? Once you start building that foundation, okay, we also have to know where you're at numbers wise, right? So we got to get a sense of what your financial situation is in a way that both people understand it. And they yes. also get a picture of how they've been using their money. Mhm. From there, you then sift through and figure out what are your goals, values, priorities, your joint vision for the future. And then the last pieces are to turn that into a workable plan, into a plan that you can both see and make sense of and that you can understand enough to hold each other accountable to. And that last phase is the execution. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: I hope I never forget, what Chris said to me was I was on the phone with one of my friends and I was talking about Charlie and I referred to Charlie as my best friend and I hadn't done that in years and it just came out just naturally Um, and, and so they were brought together in this really powerful way which if I'm honest is always the part that moves me the most but they also paid off if I remember correctly, it was something around twenty to $25,000 of debt while we were working together. They were able to take their child who one of their children had special needs and send them back to the proper school instead of homeschooling them. I mean, I'll tell you, Christine, we get sometimes so wrapped up in the feelings around money and the emotions around it mm-hmm. that... Even obvious things fall by the wayside. And this was one where Chris had a business that they ran, but when they were homeschooling their kid, they couldn't run the business. Mm. But I said, (laughs) okay, well, how much money do you make from the business X? How much money does it cost to send the kid to the school less than that? Right. (laughs) So I said, "Do you prefer to homeschool or to have them at? Oh no, definitely at the school. They know how to take care of them much better." I said, "So why don't we do the business and send them to school and pocket the difference, right? Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> right? But there was so much conflict, tension, emotion, heaviness around the issue that they weren't able to pause and kind of see that for what it was, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just so powerful." And they built an emergency fund for the first time. And right away, as soon as they got to a thousand bucks, one of the kids needed an emergency root canal. And they're like, oh, we just built a thousand and now we have to spend it. But then they paused and realized, yeah, but we have the money. We don't have to scramble, figure out, do I have to borrow from a family member? Which Mm. credit card has credit available, right? They had the money.
2: Right. That's what it's for. It's You're supposed to spend your emergency fund on emergencies.
3: <laughs> yes. A hard one lesson for myself. You know, I i am by nature. I don't want to spend that money either. But I mean, and all of a sudden there they were connecting with each other <laughs> more deeply, not just around money, but as, couple, as a couple and as friends, as parents, had their child getting better care, more peace of mind because of the emergency fund they were building and paying off a ton of debt. And also more fulfillment for Chris and going in and running that business again. So that was a really powerful experience of how they went from disconnected, angry, probably even resentful and struggling financially to clarity around their finances, working as a team, able to breathe more easily and communicate effectively in it. improve their bank account situation but also brought them closer
2: yeah well and i think that first step is the most important and that is being willing to sit in that discomfort Mm -hmm. because as you know we're not taught how to sit with negative and uncomfortable emotions right? right we we are encouraged to stuff them or medicate them (laughs) in our society. And Mm -hmm. so we don't know, you know, I'm talking like we as a society, the vast majority of us, we were never taught how to process uncomfortable or unhealthy or strong emotions in a productive way. And I think that really is the hardest piece of it when we're talking about approaching this whole subject of talking money with your honey. um, Mm. You know, do you have any suggestions for people to kind of get over that, that hump? Because I feel like there's, it's like this big ball of emotional resistance. It's like, we know we need to deal with this because it's not getting any better, but it's like, as soon as we start to get close to it, Our natural inclination Mm -hmm. is just like we want to run away.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Now, if it was easy, presumably you would have done it already. Right. Of course. It's it's a terrific question. And let me start by identifying why it's an issue and and how it happens, kind of what this cycle looks like. If you haven't processed your feelings about let's say you filed for bankruptcy in the past, or you Mm. uh, didn't have a job and you had to sleep on a friend's couch for six months and you're really embarrassed about this, right? Every time the money conversation comes up and you hear anything that sounds like an accusation that you're irresponsible with money, if you haven't made peace with and processed the emotions around you know that job loss, that sleeping on the couch, etc., and maybe any mistakes you made that got you there. Your nervous system is going to just take over, and your brain goes into what they'll call a fight or flight mode. And you're either desperately running away from the conversation, or you got your fists in the air, ready to fight, right? In your defense, yes. <laughs> And this is why that's a problem when you're in that frame of mind you're not able to really actually listen to what your significant other or spouse is trying to tell you, mm. right? So whatever it is that they are sharing because they don't get to say it to you or you don't get to hear it in a meaningful way, right? Cause your defensiveness kicks in your fight or flight yep. uh, or your avoidance kicks in. You don't hear it. So for them, they don't get to process it right? What they want is to share this with you and feel like you understood them so you can come to some sort of solution or at least know that you understand each other's point of view. So when you stay stuck, then unless they by some miracle deal with it elsewhere with a friend or therapist or what have you, they're going to stay stuck. So what happens? Well, if both parties are stuck, then we're stuck, right? We're just going to stay where we are. And that is why it's an issue not to talk about these things, process them, open up about them.
0: Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www. christine. Lucan.com. And all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes.
2: Well, and this is something that I'll do with my clients when I can sense that there is tension, there's disagreement where I may say to Mm -hmm. one of them, I would like you to state what you think your partner's concerns are about how you handle money As you understand it. Yep. And this is, yeah. And then I'll have the other person do the same thing, you know, because usually it's something along the lines of, you know, I'm concerned because they're not contributing at the level that I am. And they put their head in the sand when X, Y, and Z happens. And then Mm -hmm. on the flip side, you know, then the other person basically gets to say, I know you're concerned about my behavior because you think that I spend freely and I don't care about our long-term situation. And for them to be able to articulate what the partner's concerns are about them and basically giving the other person space to say, well, no, that's not exactly right. You know, this is what it is. It's not quite this. And for that person to be able to receive it and say, okay, I hear your concern, and I want to work on this. Mm. And that's as simple as it is, you know, just to say that. But it's like that takes that level of vulnerability to do that.
3: It does. And, you know, you asked me any tips for getting there. And when you asked, the image in my head was, (laughs) uh, you know, the person, imagine like one of those, I don't know, 24 or whatever types of shows where they might have somebody tied to a chair and they put the, you know, the, the towel or rag in their mouth all (laughs) so that they can bite down when they get tortured, Um, you know, whatever is the equivalent of that for you because (laughs) there's a reason these conversations are not comfortable for you. And that thing or things will almost certainly pop up when Mm -hmm. your significant other starts talking. The yeah. question is, what do you need in order to stay there with them and do your best to really listen? And it yeah. might be you bite down on something or squeeze something. It might be you just practice your deep breathing. For people who want to go a little bit further with it, I uh, highly recommend at least learning some basics of meditation because a big part of that is understanding that there is a voice in your head that's constantly doing its thing. Mm. And that's the part that's usually screaming at you, either run away or fight. (laughs) And it's not that you're going to banish that voice. It's that you can coexist with that voice Mm. and still listen to the other person. So I think meditation is as powerful an intervention for practicing that skill as anything I've come across. But for some people, it could just be as simple as, Looking each other in the eye or holding each other's hand, right? It's
0: mm-hmm.
3: whatever it is, and I tell you, Christine. Sometimes one conversation about money that doesn't end in like an awful argument or running and hiding from each other for six months. Sometimes <laughs> that's all it takes is one yeah. good conversation, and I kind of do a end run around it by having the first conversations be ones where you're just sharing about your experiences with money and the way you grew up and how you think it affected you. Why? Because there's not really much to argue about there, right? Versus if we're trying to look at the budget first and decide which items to cut or keep, there's a lot of potential for disagreement. (laughs) Let's start with that foundation and build from there. And sometimes that's all it takes is the one Decent conversation to get you on yeah. the right track.
2: Well, and here's the other thing I want our listeners to keep in mind that this doesn't stop ever <laughs> because, you know, my husband and I have been together for almost 23 years now. We have been married for almost 20 of those years and we talk about money all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not always comfortable. It's not always like, "Oh, hey honey, here's what I want to do." "Okay, that's great." <laughs> Two thumbs up. You know, there are times when we still have significant disagreements about what we want to do with our money for the future. However, mm-hmm. we're not fighting about debt, we're not fighting about the budget. You know, most of the things that we are having lively discussions about are different ways we want to invest for the future, different things that we want to purchase. So even as your finances grow and improve and your wealth grows, there's still going to be these conversations. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're going to change.
3: Absolutely. And by the way, you remind me of a point that's important to make for those folks listening. Regardless of, how much you earn or how much you've accrued. I have clients who make a million dollars a year and are still fighting intensely about money and are running up credit card debt for their living expenses. Yeah. I have clients with businesses and estates the they've built that are worth $10 million or more, and they're still tense and arguing about money and retirement and this and that it doesn't actually resolve these issues just because you are making more, or have put away more. Now, don't get right. me wrong. It can certainly alleviate some tensions, especially okay. if you're in a situation where, you know, it's a struggle to let's to keep the lights on or keep food in the fridge. Right. Definitely having more money makes a huge difference. But what I'm talking about is like for a lot of, let's say, two income households where, one or both spouses are professionals. So they're making in most cases like six figures and us dollars or more keeping the lights on isn't a problem, but that doesn't mean that money is not a sore subject. It often can be unless you're having the courage like you and your husband, Christine to sit down regularly to talk about these things, to hash them out.
2: Yeah. Well, Adam, this was awesome. And I know you and I could talk for hours about these things because we and have. We have. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any parting words of wisdom for the couples who are listening today that we haven't already talked about?
3: To riff off something, I think you were getting to Christine that when you and your husband talk about it, you're focused on the issue instead of you versus me, Right one of the best reframes I've heard is not you versus me. It's us versus the problem.
2: Mm. Such
3: a difference maker. And one other thing, you know, I think on this podcast, you talk a lot about the relationship with money and even healing some of those uh, money traumas or money wounds or whatever you want to call them. In my work with couples, I say, if the healing happens, great. But it doesn't necessarily have to. What has to happen is connection between the two of you, right? So sometimes this looks like, you know what, spouse, I'm sorry that I have been so difficult to deal with around this topic. I honestly, I just get overwhelmed and I am like brought back to growing up in a household that was chaotic and mom yelling at dad for money and dad, you know, running out of the car and going to work and staying at the office later. So he could avoid mom. And I just, it gets so scary and overwhelming and I get afraid everything's going to fall apart. And so that's, I, I, so I'm sorry, you know, it's just, it's very difficult for me. And honestly, I don't know what to do this, whatever is your version of that, you don't have to have healed any of that stuff about mom screaming at dad and dad avoiding mom at the office. If you do, it's beautiful, right? But in order to be able to work as a team with your partner, if you can just be open like that and vulnerable would be, I think the word to use is say, I'm sorry, this is hard for me. I know that sometimes I'm not the easiest to deal with um, and I'd like to work on that maybe I'm not even sure how, right? Yeah. That kind of thing just knocks down walls and I see it all the time because then the other person, the couple wants to then share, listen, I know and I'm sorry that I've been so hard on you about it. And honestly, I think it's just because I'm scared we're going to run out of money because I grew up poor and I don't want to be there again. I don't want to do that again. Right. And and so i get scared and i get uptight right this kind of thing sometimes that's all it takes and then from there oh right we're we're on the same team you know yeah. we're we're on this to, in this together um so let's do our best regardless of whether we're making 50,000 a year or 500,000 right let's yeah. let's do our best now as a team even if it's an uphill battle at least we're doing it together
2: yeah Absolutely. So, all right. You hear that listeners when you're talking money with your honey doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be stressful. Remember it is normal to not agree a hundred percent of the time with your spouse or partner, but you know, that doesn't mean that we can't navigate these differences with love and respect because mm-hmm. we're on the same team. Amen. Awesome. Well, Adam, why don't you tell people how they can connect with you?
3: Absolutely. Uh, so my website is couplesfinancialcoach.com. So couples, plural, financialcoach.com. My email address is adam at couplesfinancialcoach.com. And on my website, you can find all the free resources Christine mentioned podcasts, blog posts, etc. And you can also connect with me or even set up a consultation if you're interested to explore working together. You'll find all that on my website. And uh, yeah, always happy to hear from people. Welcome thoughts on things that did or didn't resonate with you that you agree with or don't agree with. And thank you again to Christine for having me and to Eric for making this all work. Okay, that was a little much i don't make this all work i just sit here
1: and i i love to be part of podcasts like this because it's me sitting in a room with youtube geeking out on what you guys do <laughs> and I, seriously and i learned so much i know the audience does as well um but literally just sat here and awe, just listening to you go back and forth so many good points uh, adam again thank you so much christine can you point people to you as well because you know you've got all these folks that you're connected with and you've had a ton of great guests on if folks want to talk to you they can do that if they want to reach out to you and say hey how do i get a hold of so-and-so they can do that as well Um, how do they reach you
2: hey it's it's my website and it's just my name christinelukin.com
1: perfect adam again thank you so much christine of course i wouldn't be here without you and our last (laughs) thank you goes to the listening audience thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the money is emotional podcast with christine lucan if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Christine comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Money is Emotional, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website, at www.christinelukin.com or drop us a line at hello at and don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lukin. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.